privilege to be at your church, and privilege to be at your missions conference. So uh, this morning, if you take your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 22, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 30, and uh, unfortunately, I had just acquired some glasses about three months ago, and man, I left them at Brother Barney's house this morning, so... I hope I can read these verses, amen. I got to get a larger print Bible, that would help, amen. So, uh, but uh, be a little blurry, but I'm sure I can get it done. But, uh, you know, I, I needed glasses probably a couple years ago, and my wife kept bugging me about getting them. And I said, if I get glasses, that means I'm getting old. I said, you know, I can't get glasses. So, uh, but finally, I got tired of holding everything out here like that. So, uh, I went down and got some. So, Anyway, but uh, unfortunately, it doesn't do me any good at Brother Barney's house. Amen. All right. So if you have uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 through 30, uh, if you would stand and stretch for a moment in honor for reading of God's word, uh, that's just always been my custom when I preach, but uh, you would do that and then we'll read these and pray and then you can be seated. But uh, starting in verse 23, the Bible says this, and the word of the Lord uh, came unto me saying, son of man, say unto her, uh, thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. Uh, they have devoured souls. They have uh, taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many uh, widows in the midst thereof. Uh, her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things, they have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey uh, to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. And that'll be our text verse this morning. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, basically are you willing to stand in the gap? And uh, let's go ahead and pray and then you may be seated. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And uh, thank you for these uh, young folks, Lord, and some older folks here have come on also. And uh, we just pray, uh, Holy Spirit of God, now that you would use me this morning, fill me, Lord, with your sweet Holy Spirit. And uh, just pray also that you would just help me, not just to be a spirit-filled preacher, but for these to be spirit-filled listeners this morning, Lord. We pray for that in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. And uh, in our text verse today, uh, you'll see, of course, the word stand in the gap mentioned there in verse 30. Uh, and, uh, and then you'll also notice shortly after that, uh, these three words, for the land, amen. It says, before me, for the land. Uh, now, the scriptures here, of course, referring to the nation of Israel and, uh, and the state of condition it was in. And, uh, and I think because this refers to the nation of Israel and the state of condition it is in, it's often a common thing for a preacher to uh, use this 
uh, in regard to preaching about the state of our churches uh, here in America and the, the need for men of God to step up and all of that. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I've preached it that way myself, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's an excellent application. Uh, but I want to use a slightly different direction uh, this morning uh, with that thought process uh, when it comes to the part about the land there, uh, that concept uh, that God needs a man to stand in the gap for the land. Amen. And so that's the thought process I want to operate on this morning. Now, what was wrong with the land? Amen. Uh, we saw the uh, verses, uh, verses 25 and 28. I'll not reread them uh, since I ain't got my glasses. Amen. I don't want to reread them again. But, uh, but they, uh, uh, they have the corruption there of the prophets uh, found in those verses. And, uh, and then we also have in verse 26, you have the corruption of the priest found there. Amen. And then in verse 27, you see the princes. Amen, are corrupt. And then in verse 29, you see actually the people themselves are corrupt. Amen. So what do we have going on here? We have an utter failure going on uh, in, the, uh, in the case of, uh, of the, uh, the, the spiritual failure, the governmental failure, and the failure of the people or the citizens themselves. Amen. That's what's going on in the land. There's an utter failure of all these areas. Now, God does judge nations. Amen. And he does punish nations. Amen. And, uh, but wait a minute. What does he do? First of all, he looks for a man to stand in the gap. That's what he does. Amen. He looks for a man to stand in the gap to make up the heads. For what? For the protection of the land. Look at the text verse again. It says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And uh, if he can find a man, then the nation stands a chance. If not, then guess what? The land will eventually face the judgment of God for the wickedness that goes on there. Amen. Uh, Thailand's a wicked place. It's a very wicked place. Uh, people talk about how bad America gets and so forth, and it is getting bad. Amen. Uh, but I promise you it's not nearly as lascivious as it is in Thailand here in America. You might find some pockets or some corners in America like that, but you won't find it rampant like you will in Thailand. You come visit Thailand, I'll show you what it's like uh, in the society there. Uh, it's a very lascivious, very ungodly place, and usually a place that's filled with idols usually is like that. And, uh, and so there's definitely a need there. But God, he's looking for, uh, for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But if he doesn't get that, he will bring judgment, amen. In fact, look at the, the last uh, <clears throat> verse of the chapter there. A lot of people don't read that verse because it comes after verse 30. They stop there, but... It says, therefore, have I poured out <clears throat> my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. And uh, so God is a just God, but he does punish, punish sin, amen. And, uh, and so if he can find a man to stand in the gap, make up the hedge, he will extend grace, amen. Uh, but he's looking for a man to make a difference. Uh, who will be willing to stand in the gap? That's the question this morning. Who will be willing to stand in the gap? There is a great need for many to stand in the gap uh, across many lands in this world this morning. A great need, amen, is there. There's a need for missionaries to step up and stand in the gap and make up the hedge, amen. There's a need for soul winners to step up, amen, and join the hedge right here even in your own area, I'm sure. Uh, the stand in the gap for your city, amen, for your land, for your nation. Who will stand in the gap? Amen. That's the question. 
Now, if we're going to help with standing the gap, I think I got two things this morning that we need to help motivate us. Amen. Uh, take your Bibles. You can save your spot here. We will come back at the end. Uh, but Jeremiah chapter 23, <clears throat> just to the left a little bit. Jeremiah chapter 23 and in uh, verse 9. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23, 9. This was the water you were talking about here, brother. This is mine, right? Is that correct? All right. Sorry, I got a froggy throat. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 9. The Bible says this, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiest. Notice the first part there. My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. Uh, number one this morning, something from within us or inside of us should motivate us to want to stand in the gap, to want to help stand in the gap. Amen. Uh, God broke my heart within me uh, many years ago. Uh, I uh, pastored up in Lincoln, Nebraska. I started that church in 2002. Uh, I was the pastor there for 15 and a half years. And, uh, and so during that time, we began to work with uh, uh, many of these Asian people that came from uh, Southeast Asia. Of course, our city had been uh, since probably the mid-1990s, that city up there had become a major refugee location center in the United States. They had brought many African refugees in and, and so forth. And, and then in the uh, 2000s, they started bringing in uh, these people that would come from Southeast Asia. And, uh, and they were primarily, there were several different people groups of them, but one of the largest groups that was coming to our city was called Karen people, spelled like the English name Karen. And, uh, and they started bringing them in. And I remember in 2006, I remember meeting my first one. And uh, his name was Podi. Amen. That's what he said his name was. We were out knocking doors and I come across him, met him. And, and, uh, and I said, well, what, you know, who are you? Where are you from? He said, I'm Korean. I said, you're Korean. I said, okay, Korean. You're from South Korea. He said, no, no, Korean. I said, oh, I said, you're Korean. Are you from North Korea? No, 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 no. And uh, I said, okay, I don't understand. He said, I come from Burma. And uh, I said, come from Burma. I said, okay, you're Burmese. No, no, not Burmese. Uh, he said, Karen. Well, I didn't understand what he's talking about. Well, I learned later, of course, there's, there's eight different major ethnic groups that make up uh, Burma, and there's a lot of subgroups. Uh, well, they're one of the groups that were persecuted by the Burmese people who control the country, and they fled to Thailand, and if they got into a refugee camp, maybe they came to America or somewhere like that, or Australia, uh, and, uh, and then otherwise they just stayed living in the free Thai society. So I found out, hey, that's, that's where these people come from. Well, uh, that was 2006. And by 2011, we were reaching a lot of these people. And they started bringing, I mean, there's thousands of them live up there. And it just so happens that a lot of them live very close to our church. We're in the kind of the downtown, the outer downtown area. There's a lot of apartment buildings around there. And that's where they place them is where all the apartment buildings are. Well, we go sowing in, amen, every week, a couple times a week, knock on doors all the time, and we'd come across these people. Well, it was easy to get them to come to church if you could communicate with them. Sometimes there's some, a lot of language barriers. We started reaching these people. Well, God started to work on my heart about these people and, and, and visiting them and working on them and so forth. And, and uh, we had a lady that uh, she had come uh, somewhat regular, and she brought a friend with her one Sunday morning, and she brought her friend. Her friend was a Buddhist lady. And uh, as she brought this lady with her, she uh, uh, started coming to church. Well, she said she was becoming a Christian. Well, she insisted that she was saved already, uh, but uh, it didn't seem like it to me. So my wife 
uh, as she started coming, uh, began to do one of these Growing Grace booklets with her that you all got here, amen, and she did the first lesson, and guess what? It was on salvation, and she got to end that lesson. She told my wife, she said, I've never done this. And my wife said, what do you think will happen? She said, I'll go to hell. And my wife said, what do you think you ought to do about that? She said, I think I need to trust Jesus. And guess what? She got saved, amen, and, uh, and she got baptized there shortly after, uh, went through those lessons, and, and, uh, and she started coming to church, and she started coming to all the services, started coming out soul winning, started becoming a good interpreter for my wife and all that, and I remember her telling me one day, uh, it was probably, oh, in 2016 or so, uh, she told me, she said, you know, uh, pastor, she said, if uh, uh, my family, she said, in the village where I grew up in Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, would... Uh, if there would have been a missionary would have ever come and would have ever come to our house, she said, I think all my brothers and sisters would have got saved and maybe my mom and dad. Now, that's a shame if they never had the opportunity. That's a shame. Uh, we had a missionary come to our church in 2015, and he saw some of those people we had in our church, and he said, where do these people come from? And I said, they live down the street. And uh, he said, come visit me in Thailand. He said, I'll show you where they come from. And so my wife and I took a mission trip in 2016 there, and I mean, God really worked on my heart, and, uh, and so for years, God worked on my heart from within uh, about this, and I would, I mean, his glorious words would overcome me, amen, I would feel compelled uh, from within to do something about that, amen, and uh, I'd look at the scriptures, and God would be stirring my heart from within, and uh, the truth of the matter is, God will stir your heart too if you let him, amen, uh, won't you let God call you from within? Uh, won't you be a soul winner for Jesus today, amen? Uh, won't you, amen, won't you let God stir you up to help fill the gap somewhere? Many places in the world this morning have a huge gap that needs a man of God to step up and fill it, amen? They have a gap that needs someone to make up the hedge. Let God do a work within your heart, amen? Let God work on it. Hey, Ezekiel eleven nineteen. don't turn to it, but it says, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Let the scripture speak to your heart, amen. Uh, secondly, this morning, we've got two points, amen. Uh, take your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 9 and 10, the Bible says this, Acts chapter 16 in the New Testament, verse 9 and 10, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So the apostle Paul here, he receives that call, amen, that famous Macedonian call. Come on over and help us. Come on over and help us, amen. Uh, but there's a call like that coming from Southeast Asia today. Yeah. Hey, there's a call like that coming from Africa today or, or from uh, South America today or from uh, places in Europe today, from, uh, from you know, from, even from North America today, amen. There's a call like that coming. Uh, there's a call like that coming from every, uh, every city and town that doesn't have a New Testament church in it. Amen? There's a call like that coming. Uh, there's a call like that coming uh, from every neighborhood that doesn't have a soul winning bus captain. Amen? And a soul winning Sunday school teacher that goes through there and works those streets and tries to bring those boys and girls to church. And even the adults. Amen? And uh, I was always big on adults. Amen? When I went to Bible college after I resigned the sheriff's office years ago and went to Bible college, they gave me a bus route. Man, I filled it full of adults. 
And, uh, and they said, you know, man, you got all these adults coming. I said, well, I don't chase the kids like the other college kids do, amen. I chase the adults, amen. So I said, I'm much more comfortable, a uh, great big guy like me, uh, chasing adults than I am chasing kids, amen. Uh, chasing kids will probably be calling the police on me, amen. So, uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, is we need to reach every one of them, amen. But every neighborhood out there has a need, and there's a call like that coming uh, that says, listen, somebody needs to come and help those people. Somebody needs to come and reach those people, amen. But it's something like this that comes from without that should motivate us to stand in the gap. If you go back to our text verse in Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 30, the Bible says this, and I sought for a man among them. So God's looking for a man to step up, right? That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. God wants someone to step up then, right? That's what he wants. In the gap before me for the land. So those nations need someone to step up for them too. Amen. That's what they need. That's what they're looking for. Amen. And, uh, and that's what God's looking for. God's looking for someone. If you saw some of the things that we would see in a place like Thailand, and some of these other missionaries can probably say the same thing. I know Brother Hernandez has been on the field uh, for many years, so he could say a lot of things, I'm sure, in this regard also. But if you saw some of the extreme poverty and horrible living conditions that people come from, if you saw some of the, uh, well, in our area, if you saw some of the idols uh, that are there, uh, I mean, it would stir your heart, amen, to see these people praying to hunks of metal that can do nothing. They can answer nothing, but they burn incense to them. They pray to them. I mean, they, they, are, they are very ritualistic in the, what they do uh, day in and day out. Uh, you would start to feel pressure from without, amen. If you considered the statistics of someplace like Thailand, 95% Buddhist, 4% Muslim, less than 1% Christian, you would feel pressure from without, amen. Uh, there is a great need there. And the people there, they don't think like we do. But when you start to see some of those things and you start to realize the opportunities that these people have lacked over the years. When I first come to start the church, we were working the area there and uh, a couple of the fellas uh, went with me. They said, listen, they said, today, they said, we need to go see the head man. They said, we need to go see the head man of this village over here. I said, okay. Uh, and they said, uh, we're going to go to visit the enemy, visit the enemy. I said, the enemy. They said, yeah, we're going to go visit the enemy. I said, okay. Uh, so we got in my vehicle, we started to go. As we're going away, we're going up, we're going up a mountainside. Uh, the road is getting very bad. And the man sitting next to me, his name is Samson. You'll see him in the video on Friday night. Uh, he speaks some English, but he said, uh, you know, he said, this is the way, this is the way. And I said, well, I said, this road's getting bad. I said, we're driving a Toyota Fortune. But I said, this ain't a four-wheel drive. I said, so I said, it just looks like it is, but it ain't. So I said, this is getting bad, you know, as we're going up there. And, uh, and it's getting very much a, a, a strong, hard edge there on the side where if we went down, it doesn't look like it'd be too good for us. And, uh, and we're going up there. And the fellow in the back, he told me, he said, uh, he's a national man. He said, I'm scared. I said, that's all right, brother. I said, I'm scared too. Amen. I said, well, this road is getting bad. He said, oh, I travel this road every day. The fellow in the front said, and I said, well, you traveled on a motorbike or a, like a moped. I said, this is a vehicle. I said, it's not much of a road here. Uh, but we finally got up there to the top in, in the area where he wanted us to go. <clears throat> and there was this little uh, bamboo uh, shack with poles on it. And, uh, and a little, a little uh, stepladder, bamboo stepladder goes about four steps up to get into the thing. And uh, as we got there, they said, inside is the enemy. They said, let's go. 
And uh, so we went over there, they hollered in, and, and apparently could get permission to go in. Well, they're, they're going up, and I'm, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I wear socks, amen, so, but you go into those houses, you got to take your shoes off, amen, so try going up on those bamboo ladders with socks on, amen, it's, it's, not, it's a challenge, amen, and uh, so I'm still trying to get up in there. They're already up in there talking to this fellow. Well, I came in, I was expecting to see Big, Blad, Big, Big Bad Black Bart himself, amen, because they built this guy up as the big enemy. There must have been some 90-year-old guy in there. He's crippled up blind can't see sitting in there and his wife sitting in there with him she looks about the same and uh and so I thought this is the enemy okay well we began to sit down and talk to this fella and we spent an hour with him talking to him giving him the gospel he asked many questions we answered his questions and uh, uh come to find out he's an animist and he's a leader of the animist people there and animist is similar to a buddhist but they don't worship the buddha just a long story short they basically worship spirits and so forth. Everything's a spirit, everything's a God uh, type of thing. But we had witnessed to him, gave him the gospel, and, uh, and he's you know, very interested. He said he's never heard any of this before. And uh, so anyway, when we finally got down to the end and answered all his questions, he said he would like to trust Christ as his Savior. So he bowed his head, he asked Christ to save him, so did his wife. And then I, I always ask at the end, I said, is there anything you didn't understand? Is there anything you have more questions about? And he said, no, I understood. He said, but I have one more question for you. And I said, what is that? He said, how come all of my life, he said, no one ever came here and told me this story before? I said, I can't answer that question for you of why. And I said, I'm sorry that no one has come before. And he said, well, the story I love, he says, you can go and tell all the people the story. He said, all the people, he said, go tell them this story in the area here. He said, go tell them. So I said, praise the Lord. So we went out as we began to leave. I asked him, I said, uh, so I said, he told us we could tell the other people. They said, yes. They said, if we don't get his permission, he said, no one here will speak to us. They said, he controls everything. He is the leader of the animus people and he has all the control. They said, if he does not give his approval, he said, they will not speak to us. And, uh, and then I said, well, you said he was such an enemy and so bad. And uh, they said, yes, yes. They said, uh, we don't know how to say in your language, but they said, uh, he's kind of like, it. He, he will put the curse on them if they, uh, if they talk to us without his permission. I said, put the curse. I said, oh, I said, is he something like a witch doctor? They said, witch doctor, witch doctor. We don't know this word, witch doctor, but they said, uh, yeah, probably something like that, you know. And, uh, and I said, okay. I said, so that's what he's been all these years, basically. And, and uh, they said, yeah, we think, we think maybe that word fits that you say, witch doctors. So uh, I said, okay. I said, we'll make it fit, amen. You said put a curse on him. So uh, they said, he's just always been a powerful man. And he said, the people are afraid of him because of that. And, uh, but listen, when you start to see things like that and you realize how much little opportunity there's been for many people in this world. Amen. Listen, for years... We pounded doors week in and week out in our city up there, and I'm for that. I'm for that. You should do that. You should do that here, and I know you do. Uh, you should do that everywhere. And uh, my son's been the pastor for four years now there. They continue to do the same thing. But I'll tell you what, those people have had a lot of opportunity there, a lot. There's a lot of places in this world where they've had very little opportunity, very little opportunity. And uh, we had a, one day we went out to this orphanage where we, my wife and daughters teach some English classes to some of the kids out there. And uh, we've led uh, most of them to Christ out there. Uh, but there was, a, there was a, a soldier there one day. We went out. And uh, he looked like he was off duty. And they said he was on liberty. And, uh, and so I said, okay. I said, so this guy, why is he here? They said, well, he's a friend of, of the man who runs the place. And so uh, I said, well, let's talk to him. I said, let's give him the gospel. So we did. And uh, he prayed and asked Christ to save him. 
And uh, he, said, uh, he said to me, and if you pay attention Friday night, you'll see it in the video. He said he wanted to get a picture with me shaking my hand. I said, you want to get a picture with me shaking my hand? I said, why do you want to get a picture with me shaking my hand? He said, because I want to thank you, he said, uh, for, for telling me this story. He said, you're the only person that's ever cared for my soul. He said, no one's ever told me this story before. He said, no one's ever told me about how to go to heaven. He said, nobody's ever talked to me about anything like this before. And folks, they don't think the way we think, amen. Uh, we had uh, a track uh, that you have here, uh, you know, how to get to heaven from Kansas, Nebraska, all those. Uh, well, we made one, how to get to heaven from Thailand, amen. We translated it over into Thai, and we had it printed up, amen. And we had some, uh, they, my son took them and shipped them to us, and, and, uh, and we hand those out. And then guess what? Sometimes they hand them back. And they say, no, I don't need this because I'm not dead yet. So their concept is how to get to heaven from Thailand. They hear that and they read the front of it. They say, I'm not dead yet, so I don't need this. Because they don't think like we think. Uh, you start asking them about how to go to heaven when they die. You start asking them questions about eternity. You start ask, they don't think in those terms at all. All they know is the Buddhist beliefs they've been taught all their life from the time they're a child. And to be honest with you, a lot of them aren't that faithful to it. It's just a national religion. It's what they're told and fed into. Uh, but the idea and the concept is that the people over there wouldn't be open to the gospel. There's all kinds of people that are open to the gospel. Nobody's ever come and told them. That's the problem. And, uh, and so the truth of the matter is there are those who are hardcore, but you have the same thing here in America with Catholics. You have hardcore Catholics that you go and talk to when you go out soul and you can't hardly get anywhere with them because they're hardcore on that. We got the same thing there. They're hardcore Buddhists. They won't even talk to you, man. They, they spit on you and want you to get off their property and everything else just about because they don't want nothing to do with you. But wait a minute. There's all kinds of them that claim to be Buddhists. And you know what? They're, they're, they don't really practice it. They just go through the motions because it's what they think they need to do to keep up appearances for their neighbors to make it look good. And so the truth of the matter is, is that there's all kinds of people that have never had the opportunity. And as I've said, when I pastored here in America, we pounded the doors, went after them. There's so many opportunities. I'll tell you. When I was pastoring, and it was probably about five, six years ago, one of the last, on Thursday nights, we used to go together on a bus. I would usually drive the bus, and and uh, last door we was going to do for the evening before we got the bus, started around, everybody up, it was starting to get dark. Me and my partner knocked on the door. There's a window over to the right-hand side, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, we porch light comes on. Hear this tapping on the glass. I said, oh, somebody over here wants our attention. Step over here with my partner, and I said, okay. In the corner of the window, there's a, a laminated sign that had been printed up that put up there. said, if you're from Lincoln Baptist Church and you ever knock on this door again, we will call the police. Now, that told me something. They know who we are. Amen. We've been here before, probably many times. Amen. And, uh, and, see, and it didn't bother me because it didn't say Jehovah's false witnesses. It didn't say morons. Uh, it said Lincoln Baptist Church. So that means we've been there a whole lot more than they had. Amen. So that makes me feel good. But the truth of the matter is whoever's behind that glass, whoever's behind that door, unless they got saved between now and then, they're on their way to hell. Maybe they're already there. I don't know if they're older. Maybe they died already. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that they've had countless opportunities. And they will someday stand and give an account for how many opportunities they had. But you know what? There's nothing like a feeling when you go out in a place like where our church is and you talk to somebody and they said nobody's ever told them that story before. And they don't all get saved first time we talk to them. There's tons of them don't get saved first time we talk to them. You go back, you go back, you go back. You get them to come to church, listen for a while, uh, hear the gospel some more, hear the things of God some more. Uh, because it's not that easy for all of them just to get saved like that. They haven't ever thought this way before. So I told you some stories this morning about some that got saved like that, but they're not all like that. There's a lot of them that aren't. But there's a lot of them that are open to listen. They just don't know.
because they'd never heard it before. They've got to think about it sometimes, and they've got to start thinking differently because they've never been trained to think that way. And so the truth of the matter is there is a heaven, there is a hell. People that die without Christ will burn in hell forever. That's the bottom line. And we've got to ask ourselves, do we care about that? I mean, do we have a responsibility here in America for that? I think so. Listen, we've got one of the few lands that, man, especially if you go down south, there's a Baptist church on every corner. And yeah, they're not all good churches, but I'll tell you what, I'd take that over having a Buddhist temple on every corner and having a Buddha on every corner. And, uh, and so there's a great need, and there's a great need for people to come up and step up and go. And, and the thing is, it seems like there's less and less missionaries now, not more and more. But the young people coming up, man, you got to think about that. you got to think about that. Listen, if I can go and resign my church and go and, uh, and leave a city I love and leave an area I love and leave a lifestyle I love uh, to be able to do something like this, man, you could sure do it. There's some of you that could. The truth is God isn't calling everybody in here to go to a mission field. It might just be that your pastor needs you to step up and do something around here. You can stand in the gap that way. Uh, it might be that you just, uh, maybe God's calling you to, uh, some young person, go start a church. You all starting a church over here in Topeka and uh, with the young fellow that was here last night. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, well, there he is back there, actually. And, uh, but you all starting a church over there because there's a need. Because there's a need. Somebody needs to stand in the gap, amen? So he's going to stand in the gap over there in Topeka, amen? Because there's a need for somebody to stand in the gap. And, uh, and I felt like there was a need for somebody to stand in the gap in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's why I started a church there in 2002, because I felt like there was a need. I grew up in that town. Man, I grew up in churches there, and I, I don't, I'm not going to criticize anybody by name or anything like that, but the churches I grew up, no soul winning, no bus ministry, no nothing. Knew nothing about it. We just went to church, and it was like a social club, and that was it. And they, 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 they did some Bible preaching, but that was it. No standards, no convictions, no nothing. We had nothing. I mean, I grew up with nothing like that, even though I was a Baptist all my life. Grew up with nothing, because I knew nothing. Then I got out of there, got a job at the sheriff's office, got into a different church, and got somewhere where they actually taught me something. And I thought, man, the church, the town I grew up in needs a church like this. So God called me to stand in the gap for that town, amen, back in 2002. Now God's called me to stand in the gap for Thailand. Because the truth of the matter is, God does bring his judgment. God does judge nations. Don't forget the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God, amen. Uh, so what can we do to help stand in the gap this morning? Several things. Number one, you can go to a mission field. You can go to a mission field, amen, that's what you can do. Number two, you can support the church's missions program, amen, your faith promise giving that the pastor's talking about uh, each night or will be each night. Uh, you support that, amen, and I know many of you do, uh, but if you, you don't, you should, amen. And then lastly, you can get involved in the ministries of your local church, amen. You can get involved in the ministries of your local church. Everybody should be involved. Everybody should be involved. Nobody should just be happy to be a pew sitter. God's looking for everybody to be a soul winner. Amen. God's looking for everybody to be involved. And, uh, and you may not be able to go out and work a bus route all day on Saturday, but there might be something else around here you can do that the pastor would be glad to have you do. Amen. And so whatever it is, God is looking for you to do something to help stand in the gap. Amen. And uh, that's all I have this morning. So whoever wants to take this over to dismiss it can come on up. God bless you all. We appreciate the opportunity to be here.